All right. Lord, thank you so much for this time. We thank you for this whole semester uh, where we've looked at things that have challenged us, that have encouraged us, and that have hopefully pointed us more to be the parents that you've called us to be. Be with us now as we wrap up, uh, that we would uh, have clear things to take away and to implement. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, yeah, there were four chapters in Duties of Parents this week. Again, if you... Chances are I just assigned way too much stuff. These are short chapters, but chances are you probably defer to the Habits of the Household book, which is great because, I, like I said to those who like, – I, I wept this week as I was reading these chapters. Um, but there's a lot of really good timeless truth in here. One of the things I'll just briefly mention to summarize the four chapters for today was he talked about – the importance of having your children trust you. And it was kind of this amazing thing about like their relationship with God is seen kind of like an embryonic form with us as their parents. And so he's like teaching them to believe you, to trust you is like the very kind of seeds of belief that they have in God. And so we've had, you know, he says one of the things in here, like, um, oh, what page was it? 44 and 49. We, I think we mentioned it before, like that we should try to explain things to our kids, but they need to know, like they they, they can't know everything, and we shouldn't expect them to know everything. So, like the the phrase um, "because I said so," right? Like is so often that we, when we respond with it. But um, one of the things he says is obviously it'd be wrong to leave them in the dark, so to speak, and never explain anything to our children. There are are many things that we should explain in order that we see these things as reasonable and wise. Again, that builds trust. But to bring them up with the idea that they should take nothing on trust and that they, with their immature and imperfect understanding, must have the why and wherefore made clear to them at every step they take is indeed a fearful mistake, which is likely to have the worst effect on their minds. So that, that was one of the, like, just my little takeaway from the duties of parents, that it was like the importance of having getting them to trust you and to exercise faith, which is what, you know, ultimately faith is trust, trusting us, and yet we shouldn't be absurd, like when we can explain and and make it seem reasonable, we should, so that they do trust us. But there's ultimately going to be times where it's important that we... uh, Well, and we've had, I mean, I think in our household, like in in any environment, like where there's rules and and the the law, like Mm -hmm. the law is given in love. And so I think, you know, with our kids... Oftentimes, it's like, why, um, you know, don't go out in the street. I don't need to explain all the whys of that to you right now. I'm telling you, don't go out in the street. But fundamentally, we've built in the conversation in our house. Why am I telling you this? Why does mommy have rules? Why does daddy have rules? And they'll answer, because you love us. And that's the point, is because we love you. And then there's always just the, when I think when your child is seeking truth, the hardest part is figuring out what that developmentally appropriate like point of like I can give you like I think we were in a therapist's office one time who gave us the because we were we were dealing with like big life issues and, and sin and and brokenness and and how we were going to share things with our children and the questions that the kids were asking and um like the therapist gave this great response of like um like just a little anecdotal of like a, a child comes into the bathroom like distraught because mom is pregnant and like very pregnant and goes like how's the baby gonna get out like how's the baby? and it, he you know dad's in like this like crisis of like i they, i could either overwhelm with truth i don't know but dad just went head first and then the kid was like oh yeah okay but 
you know, that's just the point of like, he was, he was truthful. Mm-hmm. He could have over analyzed, over explained and like, you know, paralyzed the situation. Um, but also like the kid was, wasn't at a level of, you know, like that, that worked. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. That was really good. And I think that's so often where we have to find ourselves in like building that truth with our kids is figuring out like, Hey, they are looking for truth. Mm-hmm. Give it to them. We got to figure out what, like what point we give it to them. Yeah. Well, that ties into the chapter on conversation. So a lot of the habits that have gone through this book are specific to certain times of day. But this one, it's kind of the atmosphere of the whole relationship, really. And so he talks about conversation is a rhythm that turns family into friends and friends into family. Mm -hmm. Teaching habits of conversation is the way we begin teaching habits of friendship. And he has a great book, um, the common rule where he goes into length about just having an hour of conversation with friends. And that was one of the things uh, you'll see in the, the takeaway questions, which you'll just have to take home, I guess, mm-hmm. um, today. But how we're doing in our friendships models something to our children and the importance of having good conversation. And I know this is something I feel like, okay, we do pretty well with, with us. Like we frustrate our children <laughs> all the time when they're like they want to play they want to talk and it's like our time is so precious i think that we have done a pretty good job of late of saying we are talking now and we need to do that and they'll just throw their hands up and be all are you dying yeah so angry but then you know how many times have we talked about like cultivating good friendships out you know outside of the home and it, it takes i mean like we had a phone conversation this week. That is like a lost art. And I actually thought about like, when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's the common rule stuff. Like, yeah. you know, and it depends where you are. Like I worked in jobs where like, there would be no way to have like a 30 minute lunch break with somebody like that doesn't happen. But um, also like with our kids, before we go places or when we're having people over, we'll often try and like, um, another thing accounts are used like pre-hearse. Um, hey, we are inviting Mr. So-and-so into our house. He's from church. Can you think of two questions that you might want to ask him um, tonight? Or um, oftentimes, like when we've had people at the dinner table, you know, you're still parenting. And I think there's a, a beauty in that not to be a discomfort, but like somebody will share something at the table and I'll often go to Gracie and like, can you think of a follow-up question? Like for this, for this friend at our table. And now, like as we did that, and that may have been like, kind of like oh that's like happening disruptive like we're pausing for the child but she now i've noticed like is doing this you know on her own when when we host people and um so i think there's a training in the conversation yeah um that was one of the things i think i was thinking about the families that i've all really that i've been challenged by the people that i want to be as parents that i look up to they almost all have the same characteristic of being really skillful conversationalists. They do this with adults, but they also seem to do it really well with their kids. Yeah. And particularly, you know, a lot of us have little little ones, um, but as they span the different ages, like, and he, he brings this up, like, obviously, as they get older, the art of conversation will get cha- more challenging and easier in a sense, right? But um, there's some really, really good questions in the back of this chapter of just ways to start conversations if it feels like overwhelming to you to to begin thinking about that but the the families that seem to have done it well 
with their kids and they, they love the Lord and they love like their parents and they, you know, it, I'm like, I remember first seeing that. I was like, this is actually possible. Cause I just always heard like, this is just going to be impossible. They're not going to like you. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a time like that, but that, I'm looking at more and more, you know, as we're getting older, people who are like in their early twenties, who's who generally like their parents, mm-hmm. like that, how'd you do that? And they were able to adapt as they got older in this friendship category and conversation was kind of the common thread that made it really, really good. Have you all seen the like conversation cards for the table? Those were, yeah. Like Chick-fil-A sent them out for a while, but now they're everywhere and we use them and like each person like will have like a, when people come over for dinner or just even like our table, they like sit on the table and it's like little cards. Like um, what, I'm trying to think of one that we just did recently when your mom came over. I can't remember what, but it's like, um, silly, what's your favorite dessert? Like, what's your favorite animal? Where would you travel in the world? How can you make the world a better place? Like, and like, we've started like, where when people come over, we'll put, and like Grace Anna will do it. Like she, and you, so you see like the, the child processing, like the value of conversation. Um, and she'll put it on each plate so that, and then she'll like choose like, Oh, like, you know, Mr. Morrison, would you like to answer your question? What is it? Um, but those are great. You can find them everywhere now and they're, they're fun. And they just, sometimes even when we're stunted on it, like they're just right there and we'll just get it going. Yeah. So there's mm-hmm. little ways just to make it easier. Um, but what, what he argues here is that basically pursue one-on-one moments. Uh, so how to have conversation in our families, right? So pursuing one-on-one moments with our children Practicing conversation as a way to heal trauma mm. and then modeling vulnerability. Those three things are gold, I think. Um, that is something we can do better, probably, uh, in terms of the one-on-one stuff. Although the baby hole really does like, the screw baby up conversation. But I'll have to... There, did anybody actually... I'm assuming you haven't read the chapter, probably, because it's... You have... Okay, that's amazing. Whitney could like quote this entire book that's, to you. Well, fantastic. <laughs> the part where he's sharing about this... I wanted just to focus on the way to heal trauma, because I was like, that was amazing. Like, how conversation was so good. I mean, we know this as adults. We go to therapy where you have conversation, you talk. But he had a little kid. He was like three years old or something like that, and he was in the backyard swinging, got his arm caught in the swing was bleeding all over. And I was really convicted because I was like, here's a dad who actually knows what to, how to act and think, because I would not have responded. But he takes his shirt off, ties it around, calms him down. I'm so bad at doing that. Like I rush into a situation and I'm like- The first thing is usually like the, the condemnation, like the, what did why, you do? Why did you What's do wrong? this? Like, like you know, yeah. Instead of like attending to not the- Not helpful. But he came in and he was calm. And um, it made me think of the time with Law, where he had his chin, but, and so we're playing in the front yard, and he has, he loves ramps, and so he's on his bike, and he goes on his bike, he's in the road, and he flipped, like, head first, and I'm watching the whole thing, and I'm like, oh man, that looked like it really hurt, but, so I went to him, and I'm looking, and he is, like, really crying, what just happened? I don't see any blood, and so I'm like, you're okay, but he was you're okay. wailing. You told him he was okay. Yeah, I was like, you're gonna be okay, but he was still wailing. I'm like, I don't know. Well, he went inside, and he just goes like this, and I was like, oh, man. So you saw it, she was like, why did you say he's okay? He's like profusely bleeding, so he had several stitches. Like, we saw that, I was like, oh, man. But turning it into, like, using words that way of, of calming him down and being like, it's gonna be all right, then getting into um, the hospital, like the, they had a person who's life uh, specialist. Child yeah. Specialist. Their job was just to draw him out of himself. And like, and we made it fun. And I felt like, okay, the one saving thing that I did re- that remotely resembled him was we're going to have a, we're going to have 
a treat after we're done with this. And so it was like 10 o'clock, we went to Bumpus at night. Like, I mean, it was wild. They were all judging me as a parent, but um, he knew like, all right, once I get my stitches, we're gonna be okay. And it was just a really powerful way of the way he Little boys have it hard because in their pain, I mean, with law lately, like I, he'll get hurt and I'm like, Man, that would make me cry. You can cry if you need to cry. Like crying can help you feel better. Cause little boys, and I mean, what are we are so stuck in a place? It's like suck it up. Yeah. You're fine. Like you told him, like you're okay. Yeah. Instead of like it's going to be okay. pursuing like what do you need? You know, our thing is like what do you need to feel better? Um, what do you want right now? How can I help you? Um, and with conversation, something we learned, and as parents, like oftentimes, like our kid will say something and we respond in a way that like closes the door, right? Like it like, oh, okay, yep, that's right, you're right. Um, we, again, through counseling, like a great thing is with the kids and with any human really, it's just, um, but I find it, like kids will especially bite on it, is they'll be talking and then you just go, yeah, say more. And then that just keeps them going to these next levels. And that's hard because like, you know, once you open that Kids door, will. they'll keep saying yeah, that. Yeah, they will. But <laughs> if we're pursuing heart and if we're pursuing conversation and if we're teaching our kids to pursue the heart and conversation of others, like the imitation of like not just listening and responding, but like say more. Yeah. I just wonder, it's very brief, but the way he used conversation to address his kid who's bleeding and like, so it just, it was short, but it was kind of like your like head first comment. And I was just like, this is amazing. <laughs> I wish I could think like this. But he goes, he ask his three-year-old son, what happened? I was playing in the backyard and I got my arm stuck. The first two times he told me this, just mentioning it made him burst into mm -hmm. tears and we would just stop there. But by the fourth or fifth time, he was processing it. So I'd asked him, and did your brother Ash run to get help right away? Yes, he would answer. And did I run outside to help you right away? Yeah. And did we rush to the doctor so they could help you? Yeah. So all these people are all helping you. And as we went through the journey of the day together, plot elements got added to the story. And what did we do in the waiting room? We read books. And what did they give you for stitches? Lots of stickers. And, and what did the doctor tell you? That I was the bravest kid. And then what did we go buy? Donuts. Mm -hmm. And like the amount of processing, like just short, simple things, like the way he was asking questions, but the way he reframed it all, I was like, that was really good. And so that stood out to me with the trauma, but obviously the art of conversation, special times, special occasions, but also just in the mundane and doing things together. Um, that was one of the things, but let's wrap up with the bedtime stuff. So, um, cause it really is a nice way to bring this whole thing to an end where, um, he basically, you know, he says one of the things is at night, your real self comes out, like in the middle of the night when the kid is screaming. And he shares the story about his son, who's one, who's just like, just going crazy. Like, and he um, messes up the house and does all this, but, and he, and he should have been sleeping through the night, but he's not sleeping through the night. And so he goes in and he immediately realizes that his son just tenses up and gets like a board and rigid and he's not going to, you know, and so what he does is he just, like I, this is where I wrote because I was like, "This is me." He, I think he got like angry. He's, um, Sixty <laughs> seconds later, I found myself raising my voice in the middle of the night, saying, "No, not now, no!" And trying to discipline a one-year-old who doesn't understand anything <laughs> that's happening. As I heard myself barking, I realized the stupidity and futility of it, and I just resigned. I put him down, not gently, mm -hmm. and said, "Fine, just cry then." 
and I stormed back to my bed. And I was like, oh crap. Like I, like I know something of that in my own heart, you know? And so he laid down and he was um, back in his room and he heard the Holy Spirit say this in his heart, you're trying to use your anger to control him when you should be using your love mm-hmm. to console him. Yeah. I mean, like, I just, like, yeah, that's exactly it. And so seeing who we are as people, as parents, in the middle of the night when we're at our worst, this is, and he ties it beautifully all together with, this is what parenting does. And it's first and foremost, look, he, he was able to see, this is about me and my anger and the fact that I'm not loving well. Like, it's so easy to make parenting about our children when he is trying to say all of this is about what God is doing to us. And so he talks a lot about grace and he says, bedtimes are a really wonderful opportunity to remind us. I love, oh gosh, the way he said this. Um, that night I got, because of Jesus's grace, I got back up and I went in and I tried again. Mm-hmm. I held Shep like my heavenly father holds me and in, matter, in a matter of min- minutes, he was back at rest. And that's what a good parent can do. Settle the soul. And that's exactly what our Heavenly Father does for us. Send us to bed with a settled soul. And so you see what he's doing with bedtime is way bigger. It's like the whole parenting thing in a synopsis. Harrison Warren it wrote a, her second book was um, Prayer in the Night. If you haven't read it, mm. it's good. It's one of those that's, books like I buy and give to everybody. But it, it really, she spends so much time because she goes through Compline, which is the Anglican Which is that Wednesday service that prayer. you prayer, it to. is. Yeah, um, and it says, for those who... Want work or watch or weep this work day. Work or watch or weep this day. And, and we pray, and the kids pray, um, guide us waking, Lord, and guard us sleeping. That awake we may watch with Christ, and asleep we may rest in peace. I mean, that's your Anglican prayer book, giving you that middle of the night entry into your kid's life. But she talks about sleep in such a like holy way of surrender and trust because you are closing your body to the night and to all that could be um, just brought against your home, your life, your body in, in, in sleep. And um, it really, I mean, it'll shake you into like, how because we don't stop parenting at night. And I think that's such a, a shout like, Oh, the kids are in bed. I've got 12 exactly hours off the clock. And no, like it's this, it's, it's when our children wake in the night in such a vulnerable state in, in the dark. Like we know what, what is said about darkness. And um, you instinctively feel that. Yeah, I mean, and just the opportunity to minister to the soul um, and to steward our children, to, to knowing that the Spirit of God is with them and that um, they have a good father that is looking over them and guarding them while they sleep through the ministry of our own, our own fathering and our own mothering um, for our kids. I love in his other book, The Common Rule, he has um, one of the practices is three times a day kneeling prayer. Mm-hmm. And it's right in the beginning of the day, the middle of the day, and the end of the day. And the middle of the day is when like, so you start and he, he kind of remember the waking chapter where it was like you're coming to reality and you have all these hopes and dreams of the day or you're just fraught with anxiety about what lies ahead. And he says, by the midday prayer, he's like, I haven't done half of what I've wanted to do, and I'm feeling overwhelmed. And this, and then by the evening, you just feel like an utter fail- failure. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of what comes out of his ears. You have an opportunity to reframe and remind who we are. And 
if that's important for adults, how much more is that important for children? And so the, my favorite thing that I remember Hamilton Smith teaching mm -hmm. that we, we did with the kids very early on, like so, you know, the, there's the blessing that, you know, um, I think, that And I done. heard this too in Visionary Parenting. So he may, I was like, oh, yeah. he may have People snagged. Have, it's, I've heard it so many places now. Yeah. I used to give him all like, oh, like, that's a Hamilton's up to Yeah, I've it's, heard it's, it lots it's all over. I, I give it to mm -hmm. Hamilton, but he has a bunch of different ways to do a bedtime ritual or like a liturgy, right? Mm -hmm. Like a blessing that you could do. I love, I read it to Grace Anna last You week. did, like, but um, she loved it. She thought like, you were yeah. like, do you feel weird right now? And she's like, yeah, but it was yeah. like that kind of like giddy child delight of like my parent is like blessing me right now and yeah. loving me and being very intentional. And she knew it was about the most important thing that a parent could be intentional. So about. the one that I remember growing up, and then I'll read this one real quickly and then I'll let you go. But, um, is there anything you can do that can make me love you less? And they're like, and you have to say no. Yeah, so, you have to heal. I mean, that, that wound happens early. Yeah. And, and it's perpetuated. Then we remind, I mean, y'all, we've, we've said this before, but then there's the other one. Is there anything you can do that can make me love you more? And that was me as a kid. I would have been like, heck yeah, there is. Like, you know, <laughs> but no, there's nothing you can do that can make me love you more or less. Why do I love you? Mm -hmm. Because you are mine. Or because I am yours. You know, that's what... Um, that's what they say. And so that one I love. It's short. It's sweet. This one was amazing. This is what he, there's several of them in there, but this is the one I liked. Uh, Jesus, bless these feet that they may bring good news. Bless these legs. And he like grabbed Gracie in his feet. Yeah, it says, yeah, like, I mean, it was move very hands easy. to touch each part of the body. <laughs> so I was like, I'll follow the rule, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, bless their legs that they may carry on in times of suffering. Bless this back that it may be strong enough to bear the burdens of others. Bless these arms to hold the lonely and these hands to do good work. Bless this neck that it may turn her head towards the poor. Bless these ears to discern truth, these eyes to see beauty, and these, this mouth to speak encouragement. Bless this mind that it may grow wise. And finally, bless this heart that she may grow to love you and all that you have made in the right order. And so I was like, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. She thought it was a little awkward, obviously, at first, but. Yeah, you know. but it'd be, it'd be that same thing that he's going back to like uh, one other point, like where you do these things and then the night you don't do it, the kids go and they ask for it. They want this. And I'm like, man, if this, like, this may seem so small in this little window, but imagine if you did this consistently, like three times a week with your children for the next 10 years and they go off to college and they've constantly heard suffer, look for the poor, um, wisdom. Like when, when that has been blessed over them in a short 20 seconds by their parent, I mean, that's, that is giving them something so. It goes from being like really weird, any habit, right? That you try to start. It's a really hard and weird at first, always. Then it goes to being cherished. Mm -hmm. And then the infatuation stage is over and you're like, like roll your eyes annoyed at it, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of the flow of how all of them go. But the whole point is that it's training your heart to mm -hmm. do something. And so I love that. Um, I, I'll, I wanted just to give you, so there's a few questions here. As you think about, um, we've alluded to this before, but the most important thing probably is just talking with you as, as, as couples. So as you go home, I just want to explain, you'll see this chart that I put in there. Um, this is kind of a, a big thing, and maybe doing it as a, a couple where you put down the different years, you know, you could do different increments. It tells you how to do it. But you put you and your spouse's age and then your children's ages. And just think about what, what are these seasons going to be like? 
what are some hopes that we have for them that that's the future realities and then how can we actually what can we do today to make it towards that and he has a, a sample of what it looks like in the book which if you're like i'm not still not sure take a look at it but it's a great little exercise in terms of how do we take all of this that we've done for 10 weeks and how do we start to begin to to implement it communicate it about communicate about it and that sort of thing so. i mean i think the greatest enemy in all of this is the fear of failure and so we won't do we won't do it at all right because we'd rather just not do it but um that's that's the question the last one perhaps you found your failure to be frustrating so far but i think trying the whole point is like habits can change rhythms can change they're gonna have to they're gonna have to but you have to at least try and and it takes time to implement change and to grow into something and then it takes time to mold it into what works for for your family and, and what you're pursuing which what we're all pursuing is worth it. Yeah. Well, let me end with what the way he ends each chapter, but each, uh, especially this last one, was we always need the reminder of grace. Mm-hmm. God's love inspires our action, but our action does not inspire God's love. Our family habits will not change God's love for us, mm-hmm. but God's love for us should change our family habits. Yeah. Let me pray, and if you need to go, you can go. Otherwise, we can hang out and chat Q&A based on anything but let's uh let's finish now lord we thank you so much for um the wisdom of others both uh, near to us and in, in this time and from from of old we ask that you would help us as we go forward from here bless the conversations among husbands and wives as they uh, think about trying to implement and what their family looks like lord we need your help in these things. And so we ask your spirit would uh, saturate uh, our families with his grace and that, as we just heard, it would inspire us to live differently for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm